Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Welcome to the Progressive Britain podcast. This is the podcast with the unpopular opinion that progressive centre-left politics has a lot to offer the modern world. What if we all got some free money? Today, we're talking about universal basic income. How could it work? What do UBI trials across the world tell us? Would it affect the gender pay gap? And would it lead to the destruction of the working class? I'm Connor Pope, and I'm joined by my progress colleagues Richard Angel and Henna Shah, and Anthony Painter, Director of the Action and Research Centre at the RSA. Anthony, what is the overall aim of universal basic income? What, what problem exists that it sets out to achieve? So I'll start off by saying what what a universal basic income is, because there's been lots of conversation about it, and I'll come on and mm. have approach that question directly, because I think it's a it's a critical one. But universal basic income is an unconditional payment that everybody receives um, as of right, periodically, um, via cash, um, and they don't have to um, commit to um, to doing anything in order to, to to receive it. Now, why has this become such a key proposition? Um, I think there is an increasing concern around economic insecurity, actually, um, and a vast number of people are, are faced both in the jobs market, but outside of it and in the welfare state um, as well. Uh, a situation where um, not only do they struggle to make ends meet, they struggle to make the best decisions for them and their families. And if you have a greater bedrock of economic security, then you're able to make better choices and that's the problem that basic income is aimed to hone in on because most of the proposals for basic income are below the average wage aren't they they're not it wouldn't be enough to live on uh, on its own no very unlikely and and you know there is an overall cost conversation to be to be had about this and doing that a basic income that sort of approached the average wage or took everyone out of poverty in and of itself um i think would be would be extremely expensive to 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 begin with, but also, what you want to do is give people, you know, a, a basic wedge of support. There, there comes a point where where you would be worried about people stepping away from from the jobs market in particular. But if you get the level level right, they can build on that support and make the right choices about work, training, setting up a business, what, what, whatever it may be. So, in and of itself, no, this is not a one club policy. Mm. A basic income is part of a wider system of work, wages, employment regulation, public services, support for skills enterprise it's part of a whole system that you'd need to have a look at how it operates together with other things the expense element of it i think is something we'll probably touch on again during the show but before i bring in richard and henna do you think it's the most effective way of reducing poverty or is that kind of not really the point of it uh, it is the point of it um and uh, i think you have to think about what poverty truly is. And for me, poverty is a, is, is a state. It's about being in a situation where your choices are limited, 
your options are limited, where the pressures on you and your family are so intense um, that inevitably you start to look at the sort of short term rather than longer term and thinking about your life, career, family um, and, and so on. What basic income does, um, it gives you um, something you can rely on. Um, and on, on, on the basis of that, you can start to think out what the best options might, might be. And so the way it works is not just by giving people cash and saying, right, that pulls a lot of people out of poverty. It gives people freedom. And on that basis, they can make better decisions that suit them and their families. Who are the best people to make decisions about your life? Well, it's probably you, not the welfare state. So Richard, Hannah, can I br- bring you guys in now? What are your initial thoughts about UBI? So I first heard the idea of UBI at a progress event in Birmingham. Uh, Lynn Jones was a Labour MP and a member of the campaign group and had been invited to speak and suggested the idea. And I think it was, I thought I thought at the time it was intriguing, even compelling, uh, and have kind of always had a soft spot for it. Um, I look back through the, um, the the progress archives actually on, on, online and um, it's, it's actually a subject that is covered on the website um, and in the magazine a number of times and uh, there is definitely no kind of single progress line on it. There's, there's been a debate around for a while. There has and Phil Collins at the Times is mm. a proponent of it and I invariably agree with him on, on most things although um, increasingly uh, we're diverging on certain points of political <laughs> uh, strategy but and he makes a very compelling case and he in the 2015 election when the Greens were advocating for it very badly, wrote an article about how they should be advocating for it well, uh, which was a brilliant thing and made similar points about uh, people's liberty, dignity, but more importantly, the enterprise that could come with it and the agency could give people in a kind of more gig style economy. The bit for me, I suppose, that I've always been unconvinced on is, one, how on earth you make the case for it. I think it's a very difficult thing to persuade voters of and the trial in Finland was I think it's fair to say not a success now I know it was a a randomized group of already unemployed people you you know it it wasn't a perfect trial but it does feel slightly that if it kind of didn't fit with quite social democratic Finland it, it feels like exactly the kind of thing that you would import from a Scandinavian social democracy. And if it, if they kind of, if they couldn't make it work, I fear, and I fear it is therefore becoming uh, a thing that people say to prove they are left wing. And I don't have to see any route to market for it as a politics. I know, Anthony, you're not one of those <laughs> uh, people, but uh, I think there are some in that position. And I, I actually think the current leadership's toying with it is a gain aspect of them engaging in false hope rather than... Hannah, what are your uh, kind of initial thoughts on Well, it's interesting listening to this conversation because actually I was thinking about whether this solves the key problem that we have. And yes, it's a way of reducing poverty, but actually what I don't think a universal basic income would do would be to change the fundamental economic problem that we have in this country, which isn't an inequality of income, it's an inequality of wealth. So the thing that this brings to mind is sort of a school voucher argument in that you hand out school vouchers to lots of people and therefore they can make their own choices. And the problem with that obviously is that richer families have more wealth or have more income and therefore can afford to pay more using their school voucher. And to me, that's sort of the problem with having 
a cash-based universal basic income because it doesn't actually fundamentally solve the basic problem, which is the fact that some people are more wealthy than others. And we know that they make those transfers across generations. Um, and that's something that needs to be tackled, I think, in a different way. So I don't think this would work on its own. A final question before we need to have a quick break. but um, And again, this is a general one. Um, Richard, you kind of touched on it, but essentially UBI is one of those interesting things where it gets support from different areas. There are, you know, right-wing economists. There are obviously uh, very left-wing people and, uh, as you say, kind of like social democratic. It was the right-wing economist who first proposed it. It was actually... Hayek, I think, wasn't it? It wasn't. Well, it, M- Milton Friedman was, 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 but he wasn't the first one to propose it. I right. mean, Tom, Thomas Paine and, and <laughs> going back to the millennia in terms, <laughs> yeah. of the, in terms of the idea. So you can't reclaim it for, for the sort of militarist neoliberal right. <laughs> but do we think that it... Is a left-wing idea, a right-wing idea? Can it not be classified? I'm kind of interested on, on, on that element of it. Well, uh, it's um, it's universal. <laughs> and, and it, it, it's a universal cash payment and it has universal political appeal but has universal political opposition as well i have to say you do find uh, opponents right right across the, the the political spectrum but what's really interesting i think richard raised this point around uh, likelihood of um people supporting it actually um if you articulate ubi as just a different form of welfare I think actually you will face head with political headwinds very quickly. We did a poll actually, and and people instinctively um, that sort of forty percent people instinctively favour it in principle, and only fifteen percent were against. And the the reason I think, and that hasn't been factored into a lot of the political analysis around this, but I think the fact that it's universal is something which, when people think about it, they think, could it benefit me? And because it is, yes, it it it, it benefits it benefits all. And this comes back to the point that Henna was making around, okay, the fairness of this, if everyone gets the same thing when you compare it to school vouchers or flat tax, whatever. But what people miss a lot in the conversation is how you fund it. And the reality is that you couldn't just implement a UBI. You'd have to look at the tax system alongside it. Mm. And you would need a highly progressive form of taxation in order to fund it, including of, of, of wealth. So I think once you think about it as a complete change in how we do the sort of social contract around tax and benefits, then suddenly a very different type of conversation starts to open out, which is one I think people will be drawn to. Does that make it easier? Because, I mean, implicit in universal income is that the minute you are kind of working above a a half decent rate is you pay it back and some right i mean that, that that's that, that's important it has to go with a much more progressive taxation system than we currently have uh, yes, although obviously what you don't want to be in is a situation where where you're giving one hand and just taking back with with another you have to think about how it hits different income levels, wealth levels in different ways. And you know, the reason that there's been um, a, a reach towards experiment, and the Scottish government is looking at this, and by the way, the Finnish experiment is still ongoing. It's not concluded yet. All that happened is that the right-wing Finnish government decided not to expand it. So that was what the issue there. We'll, we'll find out in about 18 months in terms of what the actual impacts are. But one of the purposes behind experimenting with it and thinking about it is actually how you can design it in the most appropriate way. That of course, you know, there's a lot of sort of institutional design locked into this, um, and who it benefits, how much, and in what ways depends on some of those questions, which you have to look at in detail over a long period of time. We should probably take a short break there, but we'll be back in just a sec to discuss whether UBI will lead to the destruction of the working class. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. 
Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Is UBI only possible because of technological advance and uh, automation, Anthony? You, you certainly need to have a certain amount of societal wealth, I think, to be able to sustain uh, a UBI. If you look at the development of sort of welfare states over a period of time or the social contract over a, over a period of time, there are things that different types of society get to afford at certain points. You have the National Health Service that starts to appear, well, appears in 1948. Some societies did more universal forms of health before that. But you need a certain amount of collective wealth in order to, to pay for these universal interventions. We meant them to say universal public services, universal incomes of different types, universal policies do have some cost attached. So yes, you do need a, certain, a, a society that is that has a certain level of productivity, I think, in order to politically get to a position where people feel able to, to support a basic income. Um, Hannah, obviously the... Automation is something that we discussed on the podcast before. There was that brilliant live episode where uh, Alison McGovern and Wes Streeting debated the issue. Do you think, in a sense, this is a, an overreaction to the prospect of automation taking everyone's jobs? Um, difficult question. I don't think so, no. I think if you look at the history of what people or economists have thought about work, actually, I think it was Keynes back. Um, years and years ago said that by the time we were in the 21st century, people would be working 15-hour weeks or mm. something like that, and that didn't happen. And I think a really interesting conversation that we have around this is the ability, I'm not looking at Richard here, to <laughs> create more work. We've sort of had the... <laughs> we've um, come to the point where we have automation and we have lots of ways in order to make ourselves more efficient, but what we haven't seen is actually a concurrent reduction in the amount of hours we work. Mm. Rather, people have chosen to use that. I think it's a great thing to be more productive and to do more things. So I don't think that automation is necessarily, and the like. I genuinely don't think that automation will lead us to sort of lose all our jobs. I think mm. we'll find new jobs. But actually, I think what it's more about is how the style of work is changing. I know we've talked a lot about the gig economy, about freelancing, about how people are, picking up and dropping things down. And what Anthony was saying was really important is that if you know you have a certain amount of security, then no matter whether you have family wealth or not, you can choose which products you take up. You can smooth over some of those bumps and maybe you're not being paid for a month or two. And I think that's probably the more important thing. As a country, we, we already have like quite a low productivity rate. Do, do you think that UBI would make that worse, Richard? I don't necessarily think that it would make it better. The the reason why we have our low productive rates are slightly complicated and highly debated at the moment about why they're coming about. You know, Peter Kellner had a brilliant essay for us and did a podcast on his thesis on why mm. that happened and um, things moving out of the kind of monetized economy uh, to to do that. I think the, the the kind of the Phil Collins argument of like this will lead to lots of people starting small businesses and enterprising economy, I think that also, I don't know where that bears out from either, because my understanding is that hasn't been the experience in Finland particularly, but we're yet to see 
Am I wrong? No, about but that? it what has. Kind of but it has been. It has been experienced. For example, in it's very difficult to read these across. But in India, where they've had a series of basic income experiments, actually there was an increase in in enterprise and indeed cooperative enterprise. Actually, what happened is a lot of women um, who were working in the home then went out of the home and set up businesses in in their local villages once they had the security of basic income. Now we don't know yeah. what the reality will be if you had a basic income experimental pilot in Fife, for example. But I think it's it's an interesting area to interrogate and explore. Yeah, no, I, th- I think it is. And uh, so, I be- but I think the reasons why people don't do that are also for a multitude of kind of other things. And and again, I mean, no, no policy uh, is a silver bullet. And I don't think we should tr- treat this one as, as if it is as well. But not only would it have to go with that kind of level of uh, tax reform uh, elsewhere in the system, I think, the you know, you would have to, because you would, I think one of the ways you would win the argument is on this allows people to take risk, allows people to start new things, is a kind of microfinancing initiative that went with it that allowed people to borrow £1,500 in a kind of sustainable, relatively risk-free way would have to be something that sat alongside it to try and bring that about. Because again, it wouldn't get those outcomes on its own without other big public policy um, initiatives. Are you are you finding a way of making UBI even more expensive than it already <laughs> is? <laughs> I think that is, I mean... That, I feel like a real naysayer. I think this is everything that is wrong with progress politics. Is it's, it's, it's instinctively a kind of good thing, but I think, how do you do it? How can you afford it? Will it really work? Is it not just that bit too radical that, you know, uh, and that means it sounds like false promise. Um, and so I, I feel like I'm being that while not wanting to be. Um, but I can't, as compelling as Anthony's writing has been, and I have followed his uh, stuff on this over the uh, over the years. And like I said, you know, people that I uh, consistently, instinctively uh, uh, and uh, agree with haven't yet convinced me that we can get to a point in which this is something that the leap, and, and quite frankly, I think the experiment of um, of universal credit, while obviously has gone with terrible cuts alongside it, means I think that people's instinct to try something this radical will be quite low because, I, I, I mean, I think it was what Ian Douglas is, has done with George Osborne pulling the money out of the system has just diminished people's ability to believe government can do big things like this and that they're not, when making a big change, actually really trying to cut things at the same time, which is what's turned out to be the case. I'm kind of interested in this idea that, is is it not fundamentally an anti-work proposal? Um, And if people aren't using uh, this money to start businesses or or things like that, is that not essentially... um, a kind of logical conclusion of essentially giving people money and saying you don't really have to work. Um, well, again, you've got to go with some of the evidence on it. But even before you get to the evidence, you've got to really ask what's our fundamental viewpoint about people and their motivations. Mm. And the real problem that I've had with some of the critiques of, of UBI, including from the left, actually, is they're so pessimistic around around what how people are motivated, what they're trying to do in their lives, as if a lot of people on the left and not just the progress left right 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 across um the, the left are kind of bought into this notion that there is a group of people in our society who are somehow not motivated the way that we are and then that feeds into the critique of basic income because of course 
if that's your starting point and you think there's probably about 25 30 percent of people that won't do the right thing then you get very worried and where do you end up going well then you need to set up enormous bureaucracies to make sure any support you're going to give them is used in exactly the right way which is where you end up with universal credit and where you end up with um, sort of you know survival crime and food banks and destitution and so on so i think anyone on the progressive left has to get the right moral starting point and we have to have an optimistic view of 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 human character and nature grounded in 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 reality and once you start off on that point it opens up a different type um, of 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 policy and political conversation now the evidence actually is very reassuring on 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 the work front. Um, I think a lot of our instinctive reaction, and this is hard baked into our psychology as human beings, is that people are going to try and free ride a system if you let them. Well, some people will. Um, but the evidence where UBI has been tried, and bear, bear in mind, it's not it's being tried in 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 Finland. Um, it's being tried in Canada in the seventies, not just the Ontario experiment, which has summarily ended by uh, Doug Ford, the new premier of Ontario. Um, but it's been tried in the seventies um, in Canada. It's been tried in North Carolina in the eighties, nineties, and Alaska. Now, in all these examples, there was no evidence of people stepping away from work at all. There was some evidence of people making slightly different choices around work and leisure. There's plenty of evidence of people staying in education for longer. Plenty of evidence of young mothers spending longer looking after their um, children when they were first born. Um, and all these things had positive sort of education, health outcomes and so on. So the, the evidence just just isn't there. Um, I'm, you know, I'd love to see even more basic income pilots and experiments so we can really test it. Mm-hmm. Um, because we might have to really prove to people on this one that, that maybe your instinctive moral reaction isn't mm-hmm. matched by the reality of how people are motivated and they do behave, which is quite an optimistic story, I think. Do you guys think it would lead to the destruction of the working class, which I think was John Crudis's uh, argument? I don't think it would. I think what, some of the things that John Crudis has tried to raise is that it feels like a simple solution to very big, complex problems. So um, you know, instead of having industrial bargaining, let the state kind of come in with this um, almost like mandatory minimum to your wages um, instead of uh, the kind of skills training you need that you would kind of push that down and out to other people. So I think it's... Um, uh, I, I, I don't I don't kind of um, necessarily go along with that because um, I don't think they're they're either or in in that sense. Um, I think they're uh, so I don't think it will lead to the kind of destruction of the working classes in, in that sense. I think the another interesting element of it though is um, is around and I've spoken to a few people who've raised this before about basically the unpaid work that goes on in our society, which obviously has a massive gender divide and essentially women aren't you know reimbursed for a lot of the unpaid labor that they do in society and this kind of doesn't solve that because it is universal i'm just wondering if anyone had is that true because surely if 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 there is then a disproportionate amount of work that is paid for that will by 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 gender it's being paid by men and they will pay it back quicker through the tax system so i think that i think the universality is what irons that out is that all right I think Hannah had a... Um, I sort of see what you mean, but I guess it's more about the principle of it, isn't it? In in terms of the fact that, yes, we know all this unpaid work, often caring work goes on, um, and women are already underpaid. I don't see how a universal system would reverse, firstly, the gender pay gap, and secondly, make sure actually the principle of everyone being paid fairly of their work... Well, again, it doesn't have to solve every problem every time, <laughs> Hannah. And, um, but the... But, well, it depends... Which one of those is true? Like, if if there is more unpaid work that is that in the system by women, by nature there is 
more paid work by men and therefore you'll meet the tax thresholds earlier to repay it back. I suppose so, but I suppose also a second effect that we just talked about and that Anthony mentioned was if this then provides women with the freedom to leave the home and enter the workforce, then surely that effect will be... I think either. great, but then that's fine, isn't it? Because then that's equality. I think proponents We don't of- want to keep a gender pay gap just so there is a gender pay gap to be able to go on marches about. Surely it'd be better but, to solve it. But I don't think that would solve the gender pay gap. Okay, but, but that... But I, it might not, it I, might not solve the gender pay gap. I think it would have to solve... move the dial, but I don't think it would solve the gender pay gap. But it would... It, 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 it would... Following that logic, it would solve the, the amount of un, unpaid work but done by women. Yes, but the women would also be able to enter the workforce. So then would enter paid work where the gender pay gap exists. I think, look, the argument that um, feminist proponents of, of basic income make is, is one, it does um, record the value of unpaid work um, in the home and volunteering more, more, more widely, in fact. But two, it gives more freedom of choice. Um, it allows um, women and others to reach beyond their, women or, others, women or men, I guess, but it allows women to reach beyond um, a traditional um, perspective on what their role might be. Um, and gives them a choice to decide whether they want to work or train um, or stay in the home. There are some feminist critiques of basic income and they worry actually what it will enable at the household level is enough income so that the the gender role divide won't be disrupted. Um, And again, these are things we have to understand. The evidence thus far is that where you've had uh, UBI, it has given women more freedom. And we need to be certain that that's the case. And I wouldn't dismiss any of the critiques of, of, of basic income. I think they, they need to be taken very seriously. Um, but the evidence points more towards the empowerment narrative around basic income rather than the solidification of traditional role style scenario. Well, I think that's all we've got time for today. But Anthony Painter, thank you so much for coming in and talking to us. Every week I ask a political pub quiz question, which is then answered on Friday's Extra Show. This week I'm asking, which is the oldest Sunday newspaper in the world? Uh, If you think you know the answer, drop us an email at office at progressonline.org.uk and you could even win a Progress mug. We've been delighted to have Anthony Painter joining us today. We'll be back on Friday with an extra show. In the meantime, don't forget to subscribe, leave us a review or comment on iTunes. And please do give us a five-star rating. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to the Progressive Britain podcast. The music was When in the West by Blue Dot Sessions, licensed under Creative Commons. And many thanks to the brilliant Caroline Crampton, who produced this podcast. of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.